So our Bible reading is from Acts 1, and it's on page 1689. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, Why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Thanks, Suzanne. Uh, Please keep your Bibles open to Acts chapter 1. Page 1689, if you've accidentally closed your Bibles. Uh, Can I say a couple of things? Firstly, uh, if you want to get into the book of Acts yourself uh, in your own personal time with God, uh, we've got these resources at the back pew there. They're orange. Uh, Please feel free to grab one of these orange handouts, which is a guide to helping you read the book of Acts over the next month or so. Also, we won't be having question time tonight as we'll be sharing in the Lord's Supper together. Now, you may be wondering, why are we looking at the book of Acts this term? Well, not only, as Dean said, it's a book that has tons of action, uh, not only is it a book that's actually in my top five, not to mention Dean's top five, but the reason why we're looking at this book this term is because we as a church family are on a journey of redefining our strategic direction and vision. And as we approach Vision Sunday that's coming up next week, it's important to see what Jesus wants us to do as a church family. And the book of Acts will show us his vision that he wants for us. Well, before we get into God's word tonight, will you please join me as I pray? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible that shows us your vision for our church family. Heavenly Father, please help me speak your word clearly tonight. And we pray that you will encourage, inspire, and empower us by your spirit to be the church that you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Over the last few years, there have been significant social movements uh, that have come about to help certain causes. Uh, So five years ago, there was the Ice Bucket Challenge, and that's where a bucket of ice water was poured over someone's head, all in the name of raising money and awareness for motor neuron disease. Movember 
is another social movement where for the month of November, men grow an extra eyebrow over their lip to raise money and awareness for prostate cancer and other men's health issues. And earlier this year, uh, we've seen the anti-government movement that's happening in Hong Kong as Hong Kong citizens fight for democracy. Now, what is a movement? Well, it's usually started by a person who's got a strong belief or ideal, and there's a bunch of followers. And what we see here in the book of Acts is the movement that we're to be part of. The movement that's really worth joining. The movement that Jesus Christ started 2,000 years ago. Now I reckon as we live our lives each day with our normal routines that we do, it's easy for us to forget the significance of the movement that we're a part of. As it's not always front and centre of our minds. Well, as we look at Acts 1 tonight, uh, my hope and prayer tonight is that we'll get energised and excited about being part of the movement that we've called church. Where we follow the one who has done something incredible and invite as many people as we can to come along and join. Uh, Tonight we're going to see three things. Uh, First, we're going to see an unfinished story. And then, secondly, a new mission. Then thirdly, our chapter, which is still yet to be written. Uh, But firstly, any time you start a book, no matter what book it is, it's always good to know who wrote it, why it was written, and who it's written to. And it's no different when you come uh, come to the Bible. And thankfully, Acts chapter 1, verse 1, gives us the information. Uh, Please read verse 1 with me. It says this. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. Uh, We see three things here. Firstly, there's a former book. So whoever wrote this book has written a previous book. Uh, Secondly, this book is written to Theophilus. And it appears that this author has written to Theophilus before. And thirdly, uh, the previous book was all about what Jesus began to do before he was taken up to heaven. So presumably, uh, this book is going to be what Jesus continues to do. Now we know that uh, the author is Luke. And that first book, that former book, is the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Please keep your finger here in Acts chapter 1 and turn with me to Luke chapter 1 verse 3. It's on page 1589 in the Blue Church Bibles. So stick a finger there, Luke chapter 1, page 1589. And have a look at verse 3 with me. It says this. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Now Luke wasn't an eyewitness, but he was a historian. And he carefully did his research and wrote an account about Jesus for his friend Theophilus. 
And the book of Acts is the second part of Luke's series. As it talks about what Jesus continues to do here on earth, even though he's ascended up to heaven. Uh, Please turn back to Acts chapter 1. And that's the thing we see in verse 3. There's this time between Jesus' resurrection and the time that he he ascended into heaven. And verse 3 tells us that's a period of 40 days. Uh, So there's this in-between time. Now imagine for a moment... What it would have been like if you were one of those apostles who was spending time with Jesus during those 40 days? It would have been crazy. Jesus had been just raised from the dead. He's now talking about giving power from on high. And he keeps talking about the kingdom of God. So if you're an apostle, you're only expecting one book. You're looking at your watch and saying, Okay, Jesus. Come on, let's wrap it up now. I'm waiting for my power. I'm waiting for this kingdom of yours. Bring it on. Now, why would they be thinking that? Well, to understand this, we need to get our head around what a Jew would have understood about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God actually starts all the way in the Old Testament with a guy called Abraham who God chose to be the father of God's people. And in Genesis chapter 12, God makes a promise to Abraham that through him and his family, the whole world will be blessed. Uh, Fast forward a a few hundred years, and there are now millions of descendants of Abraham, and the nation of Israel has come about. And with God as their king, we begin to get the seeds, see the seeds of this phenomena called the kingdom of God. Now, as you flick through the pages of the Old Testament, uh, this notion of the kingdom of God starts to get legs. And the Old Testament prophets start to speak about more and more. They talk about how God's kingdom will be a place where there's such a peace that the lion and the lamb sit, lie down together. Where there's an incredible justice everywhere. Uh, It will also be a place where Israel's enemies aren't going to attack them anymore. But instead they're going to come and submit to Israel's king and worship him. And Israel's going to be at the center of everything with Israel's leader spearheading this whole thing. Well, fast forward a few more hundred years and Jesus turns up. And the first words of his public ministry is, the kingdom of God is near. And Jesus keeps teaching about uh, the kingdom of God through his parables. He's doing miracles that reveal what the kingdom of God is like. And then he dies and rises back to life again. So if you're an apostle and you're seeing all this and you've got that background, well, surely you're thinking, it's going to happen soon. So they asked the obvious question. Uh, please check out verse 6 with me. Uh, the apostles say this. Verse 6. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? You see, the apostles were expecting the story to finish. 
But it's like when you go to a, a musical or a concert and you think the production has ended, but it's only the intermission. It's like that with the apostles. They thought it was all over. But no, this is actually the intermission. The birth, death, and resurrection of Jesus is the intermission of God's story. And that story continues in the book of Acts. And so that's the first point. There's an unfinished story. Uh, The next thing you see is that there's a new mission. Uh, Please read verse 8 with me. It says this, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, What Jesus is saying here, he's redefining what the apostles' understanding is of what the kingdom of God is. And it's not going to be a kingdom that's limited just to Jerusalem. And it's not just going to be a kingdom that's all about overthrowing Roman rule. No, this is a kingdom. There is a spiritual kingdom. And it's not going to be won by them being soldiers but by them being witnesses of Jesus. Now, a witness is someone who's seen an event firsthand and then gives an account of it. And so the work that the apostles are to do is to testify to others about who Jesus really is. And the thing is, it's not going to be just in their own neighborhood. This good news of Jesus was going to go to places where they're not expecting to go. So we actually have to understand, this second half of verse 8 is actually a huge shock for the apostles. They are to go to Samaria, which is a people group that they've had a civil war with. And they're going to go to the the Gentiles, that is the non-Jews, a people group that they don't even associate with. So this mission wasn't just revolutionary in a spiritual sense, but also in a social and ethnic sense as well. And now verse 8. It's actually the key verse to this whole book. It's like the table of contents for the book, as Acts will actually outline how the good news of Jesus will progress through the program that's outlined in verse 8. So you see, uh, chapters 1 to 7, actually tells of the witness in Jerusalem. And then chapters 8 to 9 actually tell of the witness in all of Judea and Samaria. And then chapters 10 to 28 will tell of the witness to the ends of the earth. Now with Jesus ascending into heaven, it's not like he's floating in the ether somewhere. No, no, he's exalted at the right hand of God where he has inherited the kingdom that won't perish, spoil, or fade, a kingdom that's everlasting. But you see, Jesus actually hasn't left us. It's like how rugby coaches these days, they're no longer on the field with the players. Now where are they? They're in the box at the top of the stadium, where they control the game from up there, where they can survey everything. And in a similar way, Jesus' ascension is him being restored to the ultimate position of authority 
as he's calling the shots from up there, not on the field. So he actually isn't gone. In fact, his presence is actually better established as he oversees the world's mission. Now we come to verses 10 to 11. And uh, let me firstly ask you, uh, have you ever had someone ask you a question where you know that that question they're actually are, is asking is actually not the real question they're saying, but instead there's a point they're trying to make? Uh, let me give you some, uh, two examples. And you tell me if you can work out the point that they're trying to make. So check out this question. If someone asks this question, hey, wow, where'd you get that outfit? What's the person really saying? Any guesses? That's right. I hate your clothes. They're basically saying, hey, are you seriously going to go out in public like that? That's what they're saying. Uh, This next question actually happened to me quite recently. Uh, This question is, uh, sir, shall I get you another coffee or should we bring you the bill? What's the person really saying? That's right. They're doing that leap. They're basically saying, get out. You've been here too, way too long. I've got customers waiting. That's what they're saying. But what do you think the real question is behind the angel's question in verse 11? Please have a look at verse 11 with me. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. What are the angels actually saying? What are they actually asking? They're saying, Hey guys, what are you doing? Hey, Jesus has given you your marching orders. He's told you what to do. In fact, he's going to come back so you don't want to be caught napping when he does. So get on with it. That's what the angels are saying. And so the reason why Jesus has left his disciples behind, in a sense, is is not because they can just sit on the deck chairs with a telescope to work out when he's coming back. No, he's given them a job to do. And the job they did sparked the movement that we're now part of. And that brings us to our last point. So, how about us? You see, our story is still being written. Where we step into the shoes of the apostles and continue their mission. As we continue their job of sharing the gospel so that the gospel reaches the ends of the earth. But as we continue this mission of testifying about Jesus for the rest of 2019 into 2020 and beyond... Well, we're going to face challenges along the way. Challenges of different kinds. I reckon the three main ones are, firstly, rejection. Where people will respond negatively to the message. Another challenge will be for us, distraction. Where we can get too busy with other things. Where, and to the point where our distraction can actually make us apathetic. It's easy to think that I've got my career or I've got my friendships. I don't need to stop and think about God's mission. The third challenge would be uh, the fear of failure. Where it feels at times 
that God doesn't turn up or to intervene to a situation. What are we going to do when those challenges come? Well, you know, one of the most encouraging things about Acts is that I'm absolutely convinced that the apostles felt exactly the same way. I reckon as the apostles made that, their way down the mountain, they were felt petrified. Jesus had literally told them that they're going to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. And, that, and one of those places included the big, bad Roman Empire. And they were being overwhelmed with that task. And so, what was God's solution? Well, he sends the Spirit. And we see that in two places in our passage. Uh, please have a look firstly at verse 4. Verse 4 says this. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Uh, then skip down to the first part of verse 8, where verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You see, the Holy Spirit is God's solution to their fear and for their failure. And for us as a church family here at Abbotsford, if you trust in Jesus, you too have the Spirit of God. You too have that same Spirit that was at work in Jesus Christ. You too have that same Spirit that was at work within the Apostles. So are you afraid of failure? Are you at times intimidated? Well, yeah, I reckon you should be. But you're not alone because you've got the Spirit. And the thing is, this is His movement, not our movement. And He's been working in this movement for the past 2,000 years and He's going to keep going. And our responsibility in all this is to be his vessels for his purposes. So let me encourage you to stay close to the movement leader, Jesus Christ. Keep leaning on him, keep relying on him. And when the Spirit prompts you to speak in that awkward moment, take it. Speak up. Invite them to church. Have those awkward conversations that you normally don't have knowing that the Spirit of God will work through you. You know, it's interesting. No matter how urgent this task was, the disciples were not to begin this ministry without the Holy Spirit. That's how important the Holy Spirit is. And in verse 14, we actually leave the apostles praying and waiting for God to give them the Spirit. And more about that in a couple of weeks' time. But the thing for us is this. As we come to Vision Sunday next week, for all the planning and strategizing that we're all going to embark on, while it's all useful, what we really need is a dependence on God. And so prayer is absolutely essential. We need to keep praying as a, as a church family for God's wisdom, for God's discernment, and for his help as well as we fulfill his mission. 
our story is still being written. Now, I'll be up front. I don't know what the next 12 or so months are going to hold for us. I have no idea. But I'm sure that there'll be times when it will get hard for us. Uh, There's going to be times when you're going to get exhausted talking to your friends about Jesus. There are going to be times when you're going to find it harder to invite them to church. But the good news is, is that God has already written, written our chapter. Each one of us are characters in this story. And I look forward to seeing what God will do with us as he continues to write our story. So what I'm asking you tonight, what God is asking you tonight, is to be willing participants in this story, empowered by the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ascension of the Lord Jesus and for the commission you've given those apostles. And we thank you that we have your word from them and that we have their witness of your resurrection. We pray that in the power of the Holy Spirit that you will equip us and enable us in the mission of seeing more people join this movement of the Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you may strengthen us And help us to grow your kingdom. That by your spirit, you will bring many people to come to know you through our efforts. And we pray all this for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.